Welcome to the Circuit of Success Podcast. The Circuit of Success Podcast. With your host, Brett. Brett. Brett Gilliland. Brett Gilliland, Visionary Wealth Advisory. Brett Gilliland. The Circuit of Success Podcast. Let's start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Chris Pronger. What's up, my man? How are you? I am great. It's, it's good, good to, to have you. you. Thank you. Been excited about this. It's been a while. It has been a while. <laughs> we got our cups. Man, we are branded. For those watching at home. Thank you. We got the right journey here. Canadian whiskey right here. I go red, you go black. Yeah. You're kind enough to come in here and yeah. give me a shirt. We got some uh we got some whiskey here. We may open one in a second. And uh but yeah, man, you are the Hall of Fame hockey player, two time gold medalist, Stanley Cup champ. Number forty four is retired at the Enterprise Center. You are a whiskey owner. You are a husband. You are a father. And my last thing I put, you're one hell of a golfer. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, not quite as good as you. <laughs> <laughs> but man, that's a hell of Less a career. Practice. That's a hell of a career. Yeah. I you've been practicing your things. slap shot, not, that's your, right. not your golf shot. Right. <laughs> so well, it's been awesome getting to know you through old Billy, Billy Schmidt. Yes. He introduced the two of us. Uh, and so it's been fun getting to know you, man. So I was excited to have you on the podcast. But if you Thank can you. Uh, people that don't know you, I'm sure everybody listening to this probably does know you, but for those that don't, man, there's always a backstory, something that's helped make you the man you are today, and I always love to chat about that. So start yeah. there if you don't mind. Yeah, no, I grew up in small town Canada, Dryden, Ontario, thriving metropolis of about 7,000 uh, <laughs> strong right now. <laughs> nice. Uh, Northwestern Ontario is, uh, so my hometown Dryden is eight hours straight north of Minneapolis. Okay. The coldest place in the continental U.S., not in Alaska, is International Falls, which is two and a half hours south of me. Wow. So it is cold. Uh, Not a lot going on in the winter other than hockey and snowmobiling and ice fishing and what you you would expect. Yeah. But uh, uh, great childhood growing up. Loved living there. It was uh, was a lot of fun. You know, obviously pre-internet, so it was (laughs) not a lot going on as far as... uh, surfing the web and doing all that stuff and video games it was pretty uh you know kind of asteroids and uh, the simple games that, right. uh, that you can think of but uh no we played hockey pretty much every day my so brother like, and i it's two a pretty years much that's what me. you do up there right you're not you're not playing basketball or are you playing basketball no, baseball yeah, in the summers I, yeah bit? no no i was a multi-sport athlete okay uh i would play hockey in the fall winter early spring and then i would play baseball mm-hmm and then I would golf all summer and kind of swim in the lake and be a kid. Nice. And then uh, I usually did not put my skates on till the last two weeks of August when I would normally go to Thunder Bay and do a hockey school and stay okay. with my grandparents and kind of have some time with them. Yep. My parents would get a break from us. Because <laughs> <laughs> you and your brother, right? Just me and my brother yeah. who's two years older. Two for two for your and parents, then, NHL uh, hockey yeah. stars. And then, uh, yeah, we just... I mean, it's pretty simple living. It was nice. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, not That's a whole awesome. lot to worry about. Yeah. No cell phones, no nothing. And how much older is your brother than you? He's two years. Okay, so yeah. two years older than you. So he's beating the crap out of you guys are kids yeah. running around a backyard. I believe player. I counted one summer. I had 49 bleeding noses. <laughs> so there was uh, a... <laughs> Thanks a lot. As, as we used to hear a lot of, oh, the prong boys are going at it again. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, it was... Uh, it was your dad, mom, they into hockey, is it sports? My they, dad played, uh, you know, like college hockey yeah. a little bit. And uh, I saw a picture of you guys. He's not near as tall as you guys. My dad is 5'11". Okay. Yeah, his brother well, so, was 6'6". Yeah. Six, six. 
Well, it's kind of like uh, a picture I have of you and I. I look yeah. like I'm five foot four. <laughs> like, what's going on here, man? This is terrible. So <laughs> my grandpa was six three. So he's okay. the run to the litter. Yeah. And you're six six. Your brother's six three. Six three. Okay. Yeah. Big dudes. Imagine that on skates. Even more yeah. intimidating. Uh, what? At what point do you? Th should we open some of this stuff? Yeah. First? Let's get this. Yeah, I'll going. let you. Uh, let's grab it. Pick your poison. All right. Let's do this right here. Figure out which one you want. We'll get it right here. Here we go. And get it open here. This is some good stuff. We'll get a little pour here, and then uh, I'll ship it your way. That good? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Yeah. I like to smell it. The good stuff. That. The good stuff. Anyway, back to the uh, pre-recorded, not pre-recorded, the recorded uh, session here we're doing is uh, – at what point did you know you're different, man? I mean, obviously playing hockey, you're at a high level. There's tons of good hockey players come from Canada. Was there that moment where you thought, man, I'm a little different than some of these guys? I was always, a, you know, growing up on, you know, kids my age, I usually played up a, a, a year or two years. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, just played at a, a higher level, if you will. And then you really don't know coming from a small town back then you know there's again no internet no real tv where you can other than watch an nhl on hockey night in canada on yeah. saturday nights you weren't really immersed in it other than just who you're playing against all the time yeah. so i didn't really have a good understanding or gauge to understand where i was at yeah. with respect to competition levels and, and things of that nature so uh moved away from home when i was 15 but prior to that I had a choice to make at 13. Am I going to play high school hockey or am I going to go play AAA hockey, which my brother played and you're driving 10, 12 hours in a bus and it's mm -hmm. a grind, you know, it's a commitment and a grind. And I was like, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to play. I want to be with my friends and I want to play high school hockey. And, you know, there was a little politics involved <laughs> that, that I'll get to later, but that was kind of really the first, foray into the politics of sports and kind of what can happen. They were upset that I didn't go play on this AAA team. They being your parents? Uh, no, they no. being the coaching staff okay, and okay. the managers of that team. Yeah. And they were friends. My, my brother played there and yeah. they were friends with my parents, a lot of them. And um, they we kind of merged two towns together, Kenora and Dryden merged to create this AAA team because we were not, each city was not, or town was not AAA. Yeah. So we'd go play in this AAA league, and I'm like, ah, I just want to play with my buddies. But but again, I'm 14, 13, 14, turning 15, the two years I played high school, I'm playing against 20-year-olds. So I'm, I'm playing 19, 20-year-olds. So I'm playing against much older competition yeah. that have either gone on to play junior, now yeah. come back, going to play high school hockey, finish their hockey careers, and go to school and do whatever, right? So you're, you're playing still against some pretty good players. Yep. And on our team were players that had played in that league and now they're back playing high school hockey. So we had, there was a lot of really good hockey yeah. players that I'm playing against at the that age. So I'm, you know, I think in grade nine, I was 6'1", grade 10, I was 6'3". So I'm... You're going to be as big as those guys. I'm tall. I'm yeah. tall. I'm not big. Yeah. Skin and <laughs> I'm bones. lanky. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think understanding... I just wanted to have a good time. I wanted to enjoy my childhood. You know, it was a lot of pressure of, you know, you're the best player, you're this, you're that. Yeah. Um, and I thought we had a good enough team to go play in the All-Ontarios where you'd go down to Toronto and play against the top high schools in the, in the, in the province and get scouted that way as opposed to playing out west. We're in Ontario, but they're playing in the western. It just it was a, yeah. a, a sorted deal. And so 
I played high school hockey for these two years. We go to the All Ontario's both years. I uh, get seen by some scouts and and get asked to go play for this junior team, junior B team down in Stratford. And before I go and do that, I go to this summer camp and they're doing this under 16 uh, camp to pick this the All Ontario team. And I go to this camp of which a lot were on this AAA team. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it was a valuable learning lesson for me on a couple fronts. Number one, the politics. Number two, I wasn't in the best shape. I didn't train overly hard preparing for this uh, camp. So, you know, they said, oh, you know, we're, we're cutting you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at my play and I'm like, how am I getting cut? There's no way. Yeah. But I get cut. And one of the scouts that watched me that pre that spring playing the All Ontario's had two wild cards. Now he's got two wild cards for all of Ontario. And he's like, "How does this kid get cut?" And he uses one of his two wild cards on me to go to the main camp. Wow! And I make the team <laughs> again, gotcha, not buddy. making the same mistake. Yeah. I'm training now. I'm like, "All right, I'm going to train." I'm, I learned my lesson that it wasn't prepared. Yeah. Not going to happen again. I'm going to train. I'm going to prepare. And, you know, he's that gentleman is still one of my good friends. The wild card guy. The wild card guy, Sheldon Ferguson, okay. who then went on to scout for uh, Central NHL Central Scouting. And then he's worked for a number of different NHL teams along the way. Um, but still always talk about that circumstance and how he just happened to see. If I don't go to the All-Ontario Championships, he doesn't see me and I don't get this wild. You know, yeah. it's just... Who knows where so you're So many different, yeah. I mean, it's just, if you don't get that opportunity, if somebody, somebody doesn't go out on a limb for you, yep. you know, you, you just never know where you're going to be. What were your parents like during that phase of life, right? I'm picking high school over what they want me to do. Because, you know, in today's world, and obviously you got kids, you know what it's like, but the sports world is nuts now, right? <laughs> Beyond to say nuts. <laughs> yeah. mildly. Yes, yes, mildly. Um, what were your parents like versus what we see parents today? Like if you're not on that all-star team, if you're not doing this, you're not, you know, what were they like? Cause they, again, they yeah. went two for two with two NHL players. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I would say, uh, you know, my dad was always quiet, always sat by himself up in the corner and just watched. Yeah. Uh, my mom was kind of with the other parents, you know, hooting and hollering, but yeah. not, you know, getting involved Crazy. in coaching and doing all that stuff. Getting in fights and getting kicked yeah, out. Yeah. Doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, they weren't, car rides what were those like uh they were pretty quiet i was pretty intense kid kind of preparing I, yeah. the way you saw me play is the way i played all the time <laughs> okay that's the that's only good. way i know that's how to play ask, so. that's the only way i know how to play okay and so you know i was kind of getting myself geeked up for the game yeah you know you're listening to music you know whatever um whatever music there was back then yeah not in uh, airpods uh, no <laughs> yeah no listening to Holland Oats and whatever else uh, my <laughs> dad's got playing. Up, right? <laughs> eight tracks. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. Listen to Billy Joel and eight track yeah. or whatever. Um, not a whole, you know, we're pretty quiet yeah. and just, you know, kind of go about your business, do your own thing. And, and I love uh, that though, man. It, you know, you, you hear people talk about car rides and, and that's just number one way, right. That people don't want to play sports is sometimes the car rides home, mom and dad, yeah. or, you know, why the hell did you miss that or do yeah. this? And yeah. Do that, no, so. no, there was never, uh, I don't ever remember, Unless I did something not revolving around a play or whatever, if I yeah. did something bad. Yeah, right. You heard about <laughs> it. Which may or may not have happened. <laughs> um, no, I never got, well, why didn't you make that pass? Or why didn't you do this? Or yeah. why did you make that play? Or, no, I never, 
it was you know it was just all about as i tell people now i'm like make sure your kids are having fun yep. they get one chance to be a kid because guess what you're going to grow up fast yep and they're out the door and you want them in those formative years of being a kid being passionate about a sport or multiple sports so that as they go off into high school college etc into normal normal life and are contributing citizens to the world they still want to do stuff like that they yep. still want to golf they still want to play hockey, basketball, volleyball, whatever it is, they want to keep maybe not necessarily competing, but playing the sport that they love and are yeah. passionate about or coaching it, paying it forward and doing these other things that you see a lot of uh, uh, former players do. Yeah. So we're going to dive into your, obviously your career here in a little bit, but but important for us as a firm, but also I think just any business person listening to this is whether it's on the ice or in the boardroom, your values are important, right? Your culture is important to you. So was there a set of values or principles for you that maybe even your parents taught you or that you kind of formed early on in your career that said, this is what I stand for and this is what I'm going to do? Um, you know, I think I was always one of the bigger kids, uh, tall, taller kids. I mean, not bigger, taller, uh, but I always played a certain way. I always protected my teammates. I always let the other team know, okay, you want to take runs of this guy? Well, you better be careful because <laughs> someone else is going to be taking runs at you. Um, you know, and I think hard work and, and adversity, uh, you know, as my career went along, I, you, you sense and learn from the various adversities that you face, the decisions you got to make. Uh, I've had plenty of decisions, whether it's going to play junior, whether it's going to play AAA or high school, whether it's going to play major junior or college. I mean, just, you know, asking for trades doing all these things like yeah. you have you're forced to really stick to your guns and all right you know there's some moments where i did not stick to my guns that i'm like why did i not why did i cave and what you know it just if you have a core set of principles and you know who you are and and you have a firm belief in that you need to stick to your guns and there's a couple times where i I wouldn't say I got bullied or talked into just was told to, you know, maybe you should go do this or that. And I'm yeah. like, well, I wish I never would have did that. Yeah. Cause it's not, I, I got asked to tell the owner one time in St. Louis, sorry for making a play that I got suspended on. Mm. Like why, why, why do I need to apologize for that? That's who I am. That's how I play. Right. You love how I play. Yeah. So why am That's I why apologizing? That's why yeah. I'm here. You know, and I was just like, well, why am I apologizing? But I think that's normal, right? I mean, you think about it, even from a work standpoint, you know, sometimes I kinda you go down I, that road. I kind of haphazardly just said, I'm sorry, but yeah, I'm, told like, you I'm to. not, I don't mean it. You know, great. You told me to do it. Okay. I did it, but I don't mean it. Yeah. Cause I'm not sorry. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry I got caught. <laughs> right. But what I read eight suspensions. Is that what I heard? Eight. Yes. Eight suspensions. Yes. What was the uh, best one? Uh, there were a few. Uh, there were a few good ones. You know what? I, I learned early in my childhood to be unpredictable. And whether that's you're going to take the puck, whether that's you're going to hit him, whether that's you're going to spear him, whether you're going to slash him, cross-check him, whatever, in the gray areas of the rule book, mm -hmm. um, that keeping people unpredictable, it, just that indecisiveness in their head is going to give you just enough time to make a play, take the puck, they're going to be a little leery as to what you're going to do. And I could be honest with you, sometimes I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> it's just a reaction. You know, it's a reaction. It's a spur of the moment. You're like, eh, boom. But I think there's people that, like, they like the hit, right? I think of my oldest son. Like, he likes the hit. 
well, he's playing soccer. He's not playing, yeah. but, but like I was a guy, I didn't like the hit. Like I didn't yeah. want that coming. Probably why yeah. I played golf, right? Yeah. But um, do you think do you agree with that? I mean, people like the hit. Oh, oh absolutely. There's right. you, you know when you that. see game start and you're like, you either want to get hit or get hit. Yeah. Just to absorb, get into the game, get the feel of it. All right, we're good now. Yeah. Just get that first one to get started. Now and now we're like, all right, now the now juices go are time. going. I was yeah, doing get some the research. Butterflies uh, out and get that. I got some research last night, watched some videos. I, you said something on a podcast or some TV thing you were on, and it said you, you predicted maybe 100-plus concussions. If you're looking at what they consider a concussion now, yeah. I would, I mean, I would probably guess, you know. I can count ones where if you were looking at a baseline concussion of, you know, either got knocked out or you're seeing stars, you know, like yeah. a legit... Yeah. You know, head trauma, you're talking 20, like that. And then, you know, seeing, seeing stars, you get your bell rung, all, the, all those buzzwords yeah, that you right, used right. to hear, they're like, don't worry about it. Or I get a stinger, you know, it's Tim your head, arm. but it's your neck, but it's your shoulder. <laughs> you know, what is it? <laughs> um, you know, there were so many different buzzwords to kind of take it away from your head. Yeah. That... I, you know, over the span of playing hockey 30, let's see here, 30 years or yeah. so. 18 in the NHL, right? 33, yeah. Uh, 19 in the NHL. I mean, yeah, I would, you know, you bang your head off the glass, you get hit. You know, there's a couple times here. Remember, we get banging my head off the glass on a hit. You know, you pass a puck and you're trying to brace yourself. Mm -hmm. and just, uh, you know, you get hit by a big guy and you're, you're hitting the yeah. guy and your head hits a glass. Um, you know, you, you you don't lose consciousness, but you are you can feel it for yeah. a second or two. You're like, ooh, okay. Talk about that moment, man, when you get hit in the chest. You know, the puck hits you, you go down. I watched that video last night. That was just scary as hell just watching the video, <laughs> and I knew you survived it. But I'm yeah. like, in that moment, I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah, I, I, when the whole De DeMar Hamlin thing yeah. happened, uh, you, you know, I obviously got dusted off and, you know, being the first one that it actually happened to, uh, I'm – you know, kind of relived it a little bit more. And when it happens to you that young in your career, you know, the, the internet was still not really the internet. Yeah. It wasn't, it was 98 ish, I think. Yeah. May 98. There was not a lot of information out there. There was not, you know, dial up internet and all that kind of stuff. It's just, you're not researching all that WebMD. I don't even know if it was born yet. Well, you'd so, have been dead if you went to WebMD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Same symptom for everything. Yeah. But, you know, I, I started to really research and understand I was actually closer to death than maybe I thought as I talked to the trainer and talked about what, what I actually did have. Because I never really, I didn't really want to know. Just like, I just wanted to know from the doctor, can it happen again? Right. Are there any short-term, long-term effects if I go back to play? And and once she cleared me of all that, I was like, no, this is just a random a freak thing that... Deal. If all those things line up again, it can happen, but the sequencing has to be perfect. Yeah. And the way it hits you has to be perfect and where it hits you. Um, so I'm like, well, I just didn't want to know. So I start to ask the trainer. I'm like, so I get hit with a puck. I blocked a shot. I get hit with a puck and we're killing a penalty. And I was like kind of stung and we're in Detroit. So I'm like in my head, I'm like, cover the puck up, get a whistle and then get to the bench. Don't let these people see it down here. Yeah. Cause they're going to be all over you. So I'm like, <laughs> all right. 
So in my head, I do all that, but then I must have blacked out. Like you kind of see, I'm kind of yeah, stumblebee tuna right after I get up and take a stride, then boom, I'm down. Thank God I had my hands in front of me or I would have broke my face. And I, I wake up and I'm in the middle of the ice. My stuff's cut open, all my stuff's off. And I look over at our bench, people are crying. And I'm just like, what's going on here? So you had your wherewithal. I mean, you knew what was- Once I woke yeah. up, I did. So then as this whole DeMar Hamlin thing happened, I started talking to the trainer. I'm like, so, cause I kept getting asked about it. And I was, I don't know, you know, yeah. kind of- Just happened. You're supposed to know, but yeah. I really didn't. So I started asking him like, so what exactly did happen? He's like, well, you know, we got out there, you weren't breathing, you know, your lips were kind of panicked, no defibrillator. Mm. Back then they had no defibrillators yeah. in the building. The ambulance was just a cart. It was basically just to, to get you to the hospital. It wasn't, there was nothing in it that could help you. Um, and so they were starting to panic. My lips were starting to turn a little bit blue. <laughs> he was like, yeah, we were just getting ready to give you mouth to mouth <laughs> when you kind of came to and took a breath. And they were like, whew, wow. thank God. Because they were, they were just getting a little nervous. I think it was like 15, 20 seconds yeah. without breathing. And, uh, you know, unlike Hamlin, I think it was like eight or nine minutes. Yeah. So they, they were, and, and then since then, so then I went to the hospital, did all that. And since then, right, right after that incident, they had defibrillators in the, all the buildings. Mm -hmm. They've, you know, retrofitted or fixed the ambulance situation. And three years after that, uh, Yuri Fisher with the Detroit Red Wings had a, a heart attack on the bench or right in front of the bench. And they also had the doctors way up in the top. Oh, yeah. And, and after that incident, they had the doctors right behind the bench. And fortunate enough for Yuri Fisher, the doctor was right behind the bench, came off the bench, came out, started giving him mouth to mouth, gave him the defibrillator and- Saved his life. Saved his life. But um, so I, that all that happens. I'm in the hospital, I'm, I'm wearing a heart monitor for 24 hours, tracking it, doing all that. And again, ask the doctor if, you know, is there any long-term, short-term side effects if I play? And she's like, no. So I, I've thought about Demar Hamlin. So I wanted to rip the Band-Aid off fast. Right. Basically. And I'm get like, right back. So how long did you set out? I, a day. I just, no, oh, I so you were back. like the next so, day, you were in the next so game. So we played, a, I don't know, let's just say that was a Tuesday. Yeah. I played on Thursday. Oh, wow. So I stayed in the hospital Tuesday night in Detroit, flew back on Wednesday, did all these tests, wore the heart monitor, uh, did all that, got up in the morning, went back to the doctor, uh, got checked out again. She looked at the monitor, the heart monitor that is, uh, did a battery of tests again, sat down with her, talked to her, uh, you know, still not knowing whether I was going to play, but I prepared the night before, like I was going to play just, you never know. Yeah. And then, uh, and then went down to the rink at like four 30. I think we had a seven, maybe a seven 30 game. Went down to the rink at four 30 and was like, I got cleared to play. So I'll take warm up, see how I feel. And you know, once once you put your equipment on, it's go time for me. I, I'm not taking that shit off. Yeah, like, it's not. <laughs> it's not happening. Right. Like once it's on, you get to cut it off me again. Well, I'm yeah. not sitting out. Yeah. If if I can, if I can go out there and do warm up and do it, well, then I'll, I might yeah. as well play. Right. And I hate sitting upstairs. It sucks. Yeah. So. Mm. So, so what play. was it? She just went back in and was there nerves at all? Oh, yeah, there was nerves. Yeah. You know, you again, to, to the point, you, you want to get hit or you want to yeah. hit somebody like yeah. right away. And, uh, you know, just the, the butterflies and the yeah. energy of coming out to the 
out to the ring. You know, you take warm up, and you know, not everybody's in the building. Yeah. Playoff game, playing Detroit, so it's just crazy. Yeah. And uh, and then I come out for intros and come out, you know, to the building, electric yeah. and going bananas. And then I, you know, I come out. I was like one one of the last couple guys out yeah. always and fans erupted and all that kind of stuff so it's pretty cool brings it home then oh yeah like, all right, pretty let's cool. go let's no go. you get and then you get the butterflies like all right let's get the band-aid ripped off and yeah. hit somebody somebody hit me let's get this out of the way yeah. so we can get past this so in sports i think for fans i'm curious always to talk to players on if it's as big a deal for you guys so there's the rivalries right there's there's games that mean more than than most obviously playoffs always do but did you treat those differently, or did, did your mind go differently when you were playing a certain robbery for the different teams? Uh, like, you know, Cubs cards in baseball, yeah. right? Like, there's that thing. Did, did that matter to you? Oh, yeah, for sure. You The, the team's in your division. Yeah. And back then, you got to remember, you, pay, you played those guys eight times. Hmm. You know, the, the schedule has since changed, and you, know, yeah. you don't play against those teams as much. You know, you're playing four home games, four road games, and then you're playing the team typically in the playoffs and – you know, you're playing them possibly seven times. And yeah. You're playing it. You know, the next rival you're playing seven times. It just, um, you know, those, the hatred between the teams intensifies with each playoff round that you play. And we played Detroit four years in a row. This was 90, 95, 96, 97. This is like 98. This, this is the fourth year in a row playing them. Yeah. You know, and you're just like, okay. Here, here we, we go. go again. Here we go again. <laughs> and so, you know, just that rivalry, the the feuds between the players and, you know, all the different things that happen over years. We hadn't beaten them. They yeah. beat us every year. Um, you know, so it was it was getting intense. Yeah. You know, and you get a lot of – The hits, you get a little harder. Well, and you, you know, and you're sick of losing. Yeah. I'm getting pissed off. Yeah. Like, All right, well, I'm going to get my pound of flesh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have one of those uh, guys that you couldn't stand playing against, but then they became a teammate? Did that ever happen? You're always going to run. And yeah. I'm sure I was that guy for a lot of people, yeah. too. You know, you, you play against players, and you, like, you, you recognize they're good. Yep. You're like, okay, you're not going to be good against me. Yep. And you just, you, know, you just try to get in their kitchen, and you try to – you know, it's when you're a defenseman, it's different because if you're a forward and you beat me once, you might score once. There right. it is. You've done your job. Yeah. You did your one thing. Yeah. You know, so I've got to be 100% all the time. Yep. And so I would, you know, rivalry games, playoffs, you just, I would treat rivalry games like playoffs where you're kind of ramping it up. You're, you know, good chance you're going to meet them in the playoffs. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, we're gonna, well, you probably feel we're going to let crowd, you know what right? you're in for. And the crowd's jacked up yeah. and everybody, okay, it's Blackhawks, Blues, yeah. you know, it's just you know, a little different, yeah. a little different than a, a normal game. And as you, you know, and then when you start, you know, and then it was the Sharks because we played them two or three years in a row in mm -hmm. the playoffs. It's just, as you play somebody in the playoffs, those rivalries get heated and, yeah. Yeah. Talk about the, uh, the Olympics versus the Stanley Cups, Stanley Cup playoff or Stanley Cup finals. What was the big difference there for you? Well, both are awesome. Both, you know, to get to a Stanley Cup final takes a lot of grit and determination, luck, yeah. uh, chemistry, teamwork. You know, it's nine to ten months of being in the same fight with the same guys over and over and over. The ups, the downs, the adversity. Um, you know, you get into an Olympic situation, it's two, maybe two and a half weeks. Yeah. You're thrown together. 
you know, and, and for Canada, it's a lot different than a lot of these other yeah. countries. We don't have a national program where guys go back and skate in the summers and go and, you know, play in the U.S. development program and, and have played together. We're always playing against each other in junior, you know, in different junior yeah. programs. You're always playing against each other. You're never playing together. And so those those teams have a little bit better chemistry typically coming out of the gate because they've all played with each other at some point. Yeah. And they're familiar with one. We all hate each other. <laughs> we all want to beat each other up. <laughs> but now for two and a half weeks, we yeah. got to be teammates. So now for two and a half weeks, you got to kind of let your bygones be yeah. bygones and, uh, and come together as a group. And, uh, you know, it's – and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And sometimes just the chemistry's not there. Like for us in, in 06 in Italy, it just – we just did not have good chemistry. It was kind of the changing of the guard. We had 98 and 02 were – a lot of the same players. Two and ten, right? Yeah, and yeah. and then in 06, they you know some guys were retiring, and and we had a, we had a different group of players. It just was a, it, it was, I don't know. I didn't think they they either they didn't coach or they didn't pick the right makeup yeah. of the team. It just didn't. I didn't feel like our chemistry was that good. But you played for four, four. So at '98 was the first year we yep. could play in Nagano. And Gretzky was on the team. And I learned a lot from that year because we played not to lose. Okay. Like we were just the way we played. It just wasn't, we weren't lay, leaving it all out there. We weren't putting our foot on the gas. It was like, all right, what can we do? Okay, let's massage it and let's go win. Yeah. And it, it didn't feel like we were getting better. We were just winning. We were finding a way to win versus Pure getting talent. better. Yeah, just on talent and you know, our, our skill yeah, and not our teamwork and not things like that, that get better as you get more comfortable with one another. And, you know, we lost in a shootout to mm. the Czech team in the semifinals. And it was like, you know, it was for us at that time, it was like gold or bust, gold or bust. And we lost that game and it was like, it was over. And we still had a bronze medal game. We didn't even show up. Like it was just brutal. <laughs> right. And we lost to Finland in that game. And it was like, yeah, why do we care at this point? Well, you know, yeah. but as you think back and you look at it, you're like, I wish we would have, would have been nice to say, well, I got two golds and a bronze. Yeah. You know, but it was just the mentality and the mindset was gold medal. The only thing I want to, we got to win is a gold, just the pressure of, of, of the expectations and then just of how we managed and handled things was not great. And then in 02, we got off to a crappy start. We we got smoked in our first game by Sweden. Hmm. I think it was like 6-2 or something. I mean, they, and they dominated us. But from that game, we got better and better. We made a few adjustments, change a goalie, change, um, you know, move some D, D around, change lines a little bit. You know, you just, you're looking for the right combinations. You're looking for the right chemistry. And we got better. Each game, you could see us trending. And getting better and better and better, and and from that you could see, okay, this is how what we did wrong in '98. We're not doing that, and we were winning, not great. We weren't we weren't playing great teams, you know, because you're still like playing Germany and playing some of these teams yeah. at the time that weren't very good. And you're working your way up, and as that chemistry, we we got through, then we got through the semifinals, and then we played the U.S. in the finals, and we were running all cylinders and confident and. Yep. They had no chance. No. I think we beat them 5-2. So 
So when you think about that, so you talked about chemistry and culture and all that, it makes me think about, so when you played for the Blues, and we'll go to the Stanley Cup in a minute, but we played, you played for the Blues, you had the big C, right? The captain on the jersey. What, what did that mean to you? What did that mean for you in the locker room as a leader? Because, again, I, in this podcast, we get tons of business people to listen, right? And so yeah. tying that, if you can, look at it from that lens on what that means to the man or woman running a company right now, that, the big C on their suit yeah. coat or whatever, what's that mean to them? Yeah, it's uh... – you know, I think in in sports, it's it's a little bit different in, in, than business, but it's the same. Yeah, right. And and you know, everybody looks at the the captain and like, all right, he's the guy in the locker room. He's the glue. He's the guy holding everybody accountable. It's a little bit more than that. You need a group. You need a core group of leaders. It can't always be the captain right. getting in people's faces. You know, holding people accountable pulling people aside, just not enough time in a day to be doing that. And so you need a core group of guys to really kind of buy into what the coach is selling, to get the group to buy into what they're selling mm-hmm. and get them to play that way and and, buy, and and come together as a group. Because the one difference from business to sports is every year is different. Yeah, right. You're, you're aging, you're maturing, you're developing faster. You know, you're either aging out, you're coming up. You know, players have career years, players have down years. Yeah. I mean, there's all, you know, and it happens in business too, but more so in sports where in order to be successful and win and win a championship, everything's got to go great. Yeah. You got to have luck. You got to be healthy. You got to have guys having career years. You got, you know, in, in hockey, you got to have a hot goalie. I mean, there's, you can have all those things, but if you don't have a hot goalie, yeah. you're done. That's like 19 you're not for the Blues, right? Yeah, I mean, you're not winning. So there's so many different things that play into it. But but then, you know, more for me was, all right, I hold, I hold myself to this standard. I'm not, I'm not holding you to that standard. I'm holding myself to this standard, but you better be at this standard. Mm-hmm. I don't ask you to High do anything I wouldn't do. I'm the first one in the gym. I'm the first one on the ice. I'm working on my craft. I'm in the training room, making sure I'm healthy so I can go play every single game I can. Mm. And I'm putting the time and effort into to be the best I can be each and every day and prepare properly so that we can survive a nine month grind and a two month playoff grind to win a championship. A physical grind at that. Yeah, physical and mental. Yeah. Just the ups and downs, the it's it's a roller coaster. And so to, to be sharp and to understand, you know, as my career evolved, I got better and better at that and, and understanding my body, understanding what I needed to do, how I needed to train throughout the course of the season to make sure I wasn't have as big, having as big a drop-off. I'm playing 30 minutes a night, always against the top line, always match up against best player. And, oh, I got to play physical against the big guys in the other team. And I got to, you know, there's – I'm – managing a bunch of different roles and trying to map out oh and i also need to provide offense i also need to a lot of times help run the power play i you know you're juggling a lot of hats and you're and then you're looking at it going well you know as i look back at my career and i look how the game's played now i'm like well people are like oh you only got 600 points and i'm like well 598 if somebody looks it's <laughs> almost 600 for those fact no, checkers pardon me 698 698 almost 600. 700 pardon me 
Um, but could I have gotten more points? Sure. Right. But at what cost? Where you're, it would detract from somewhere else. Yeah. I was more about winning. If you look back through history, whether it's me looking at playing jun- when I play junior hockey and you work all the way through to my end of my career, when you look at the players who are wanted the most, who typically get paid at some point, are winners. Mm-hmm. Who gets plucked from all these? If you look at football, baseball, basketball, hockey, who gets plucked from these championship teams? The meat guys, the, the role players mm-hmm. that because they're successful, they know how to win. Are they overpaid to do what they're supposed to do? Probably. But there's teams that don't have that intangible that they're trying to pay for. So, and then if you're able to do that as a all-star top, you know, if you're top two or however, top six, top 4D, whatever, you're going to get paid too. Yep. You might not get paid there, but you're going to get paid somewhere. You're on the next one. Because you're a winner. You're a champion. You know, so it's, well, that's what it's about trying to sell owners, that, right? <laughs> it's about trying to sell yeah, that. Yeah, it's about saying, "Listen, short-term pain for long-term gain." You you may not be doing what you necessarily want to do within our system. Within yeah. you know, when you pick up a guy from on trade or signing or whatever, this is our culture. You're you're selling a culture. This is it. This is yeah. how we operate. This is this is our locker room. Yeah, everybody in here. This is how we do it. How much and, of that is talked about in the locker room? Like, are you like if you know A, B, and C is the the principles that you guys are fighting for this year? You know, is that gets, like, is that it, I mean, every every game, every day? You get you have when you have good coaches, they meet with the leadership to like every every and again every year you're tweaking it every year you're learning you're adapting yep. you're looking at your roster how does that how do how can we change modify or adapt our message to the group yeah and it's the players it's the leadership group as i mentioned that are selling it it's not the coach yeah right but they're pulling, like you're he's not year. in there he's in there but he's not in there every single day yeah. if he's in there selling that every day it's a problem you're tuned out right away the yeah. moment he opens his mouth again to do something else you've lost the room everybody's tuned out so you got to have a couple different guys in a couple different groups. Like I'll use Anaheim the year we won the cup. You know, we had different sections of the room. You know, I sat over as you walked in our locker room, I sat on the right side. I couldn't really see the left side because it was tucked hmm. over here. So we had a guy over there in that side dealing with that group. And over here on this group to the right, we had a couple of young guys and a couple D men, a couple of young guys were trying to move along trying to teach how to be pros and they're in my group over here and then over here across the way you know these are the quieter guys but they know they know how to win they're they're on point they're over there you got another group over here that's far end so you kind of have these quadrants you know you hear about the quads and you know all these different things so we spent most of our time because we're all sitting there getting dressed talking we're in our little bubble over there you know you're you're talking to the whole group in the locker room, but you're you're talking to that little main core right there because they're mates, right? Yeah, because yeah. they're right there. So you know you got these young guys, and you're talking to them about how to be pros, and you need to you know you, the coach in Anaheim did a great job of trying to teach them how to be pros from a coach's perspective, and then it's incumbent upon the leadership group and the players to drag them along. Like you got to get in the gym. Let's go get in here. You gotta you gotta prepare. That's what I was gonna ask. What define if that? you what go out and have a good time. 
you better show up to work the next day. Yeah. Like you're not going to the back of the line every time and uh, you're not doing drills because you're hungover. Yeah. If you're doing that, then just don't come out. Right. We're, we're trying to get better. We're working on stuff out here. Did you, and you notice, I'm assuming this answer is yes, but did you notice a difference between the guys like you and the Gretzky? I mean, you came to St. Louis, right? You had McGinnis, Hull, Gretzky, you on the team. I mean, that's a hell of a team, right? So did you find those guys were different on everything from preparation, physically, emotionally, going out at night, not going out at night? Was that different than a lot of people? Well, I think, yeah, you learn. You know, like I got here, I was 20, turning 21. Al was, I think, 31. So... I'm catching him. He's got kids. He's more mature. He's yeah. He's in the prime of his career. So I'm coming in at the start of my career, and I'm like kind of just soaking it all in, like watching how he prepares, how he practices, how he handles the media, how, you know, what he, what is he doing in the offseason? You know, and, and as my career started to take shape, I then met with his trainer hmm. and, uh, and started working with him. And... I, I met him at Al's house and I walked in the front door and I, he, Charles was right over here to the left. I walked in. He's like, Hey, walk toward me. I took five steps. He's like, all right, now turn around and walk back. Okay. He's like, you got a bad left knee. I go, yeah. He's like, you got a sore rotator cuff on your right shoulder. I go, yeah. He's like, just, just by watching walking. me walk five steps. He could tell just the way my body was moving and the weight distribution, I don't know, weight distribution and the hitch in my step, yeah. whatever. I mean, you're, you're not paying attention to that. I'm like, right. I'm 22 years old going, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what, and, what are you talking you know, about? Remade, you know, how I ate, you know, nutrition wise. Um, you know, and that kind of was the start of taking that next step of, yeah. all right, how good do you want to be? How much are you willing to sacrifice? You know, because at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's, yeah. it's sacrificing something to be great at something. Because there's a give and a take for everything. Well, I think, too, for me, like I had a business coach early on in my career, right, that I spent, you know, lots of money on that maybe yeah. I didn't want to do or maybe couldn't afford yeah. back then. But even that, for you guys, right, that guy probably wasn't free. I'm assuming that's uh, off. No, back then yeah. he was expensive. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, investing yourself, right? Again, business leaders, invest in a coach. Invest in a mentor. Invest in something. Yeah. Right to give back. You agree with that? No, hundred percent. No, you have to. You know how how good do you want to be? Yeah. We don't we don't know everything out of the gate. You can't read a book. One size does not fit all. Yeah. We all soak in information differently, and and we all have strengths and weaknesses, and you're not going to know them. You yeah. need somebody to help point them out and say, yeah. "This is a blind spot. You're not seeing. You need to work on this." And oh, okay, you're really good at this, but you only do this. Yeah. You need to do this too add this to your repertoire yeah. and now now do this. And once you own that, do this. And so I think you have to really kind of go in eyes wide open and, and have an understanding how much you want to get better, how much, whether you're running a business, whether you're playing a sport, whatever it is, it's your commitment to yeah. excellence and your commitment to getting better. Yeah. Showing up every day to improve. Well, I think that's the key right there. Showing up on days even when you don't want to yeah. or you're a little sore maybe, right? Yeah. I mean, there's the quote. I see Michael Phelps up there. Yeah. Five years straight yeah. trained every single day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. Every day. And by the way, if you've ever swam like this guy swam, 
Uh, not easy. No. <laughs> There's you know, lots the of days, yeah. I'm sure, he was like, man, my yeah. shoulders are sore, yeah. my back sore. Or just mentally didn't want to do yeah. it. It was or cold like, and raining. Right, yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah. Living in Baltimore. I, I, you know, he had a... He had a post-it note. I read his book. I'm fascinated by what he did. And, and he had a post-it note, though, and it had by the milliseconds what he was going to do each race. Yeah. And if you look, it'll show, like, what he had written down and what he did the race. For five years, man, you're talking milliseconds. Working. Yeah. Honing. Yeah. Working on that turn. Yeah. Okay, turn. Can I save a millisecond? Yeah. Can I save? How can yeah. I transition fast? Like, just, it's, it's well, like that guy, I don't remember who it was, but the guy that was dancing and doing all the stuff in front of him, Michael Phelps didn't even budge, man. And then he went out there and, you know, kicked the guy's ass. Or then they're swimming, they show the, the camera under the water, and the guy was looking over at him. And he's got water, his... and he's just like, <laughs> like yeah. champions look at the wall, right? Yeah. Like the second place guy looks don't at the Don't focus champion. on the competition, yeah. focus on That's you. That's right. That's right. So what was it like for you? Then as you, you know, you progress in your career, you obviously you started to have a family, right? So how old were the kiddos? They were born, like probably your oldest was born when you were so in the I 2000s? Was, I was uh, 20, uh, let's see here. Jack's 02, so I was 28. Yeah, so 02, so you still had a good, you know, 10, 11 02. years left in your career. So how did you balance the the family side and the and the sports side yeah, when you're obviously it, on the road and traveling? It's hard, you know, it's hard. You're, you got a finite amount of time. You never know when your career is going to be over. And, and you have to invest in your career. You got to be all in on your craft and getting better. And, you know, as your body evolves, as you get more injuries, as you, you know, as the punishment and toll of playing a certain way takes its uh, form on you, you have to kind of re reshape and, and remold yourself and into a way that works. Yeah. You know, you're changing things and altering how you train and, and what you eat and all those different things. And, um, you know, and, and in the midst of that, um, I got traded out of here in 05. We have the lockout in 04. I have major wrist surgery, major knee surgery in uh, 02, 03. So I missed that whole year. Then I came back and I played 03, 04. And then uh, we had the lockout in 05, 04, 05. And then I got traded and played in Edmonton in 05, in 06. Then Anaheim, 07, 06, 07. Yeah. And then on so honey, let's 09, go. 10, I'm in Philly. So you're, you know, four, four cities in five years. Yeah. Oh, around the whole country. Yeah. yeah. Going to four different yeah. locations. Yeah. You know, so it's. Maybe we should have her on the podcast. Yeah. Just to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Deal with that. How are we doing this? <laughs> you know, so it was, uh, you, you know, I bounced around, you know, I never really added it up like that, but five years I was in four different teams. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. It's crazy. So. What what role do you think athletes play? I mean, because you're you're you know we I think we as humans whether it's right or wrong probably wrong we we put you guys on this pedestal right like you're on the limelight we see you we play we root for you, but what role do you do you think you guys play in the community? Because I know the work that you do as a community guy. I mean you know your guys' golf tournament you and Dan Deardorff played that this year amazing huge impact on our local charities. But as an athlete and then for today's athletes, what role do they play? in the communities that we all live in. Yeah, I'll sum it up. You know, I've, I've always been invested in the communities I played in. Um, you know, I think it's a, a great way to give back. It's a great way to, to be involved in the community and meet people and, and meet those that are out supporting you. You can support the, the local community and the charities that are 
uh, nearest and dearest. Um, you know, Brian Burke, my initial GM in Hartford, and then was my GM in Anaheim. I mean, he summed it up best. He's like, this, and and from a you talk about leadership and you talk about you know setting up that vertical owner manager coach player you know and he was like this is this is what we do here this is the culture we are setting we're set we're creating a winning tradition yep. and we're also giving creating a tradition of we're going to be invested in the community we're going to give back we're going to do this you know we're going to do something every month for the you know greater orange county community yeah. we're going to be doing xyz if you have a problem with your ice time do not talk to me talk to your coach you want to be traded come talk to me you got a problem off the ice come talk to me but you have anything to do with hockey your head coach is right over there go see him don't come to me hmm. i'm not i'm not doing it's that not how it and, works. And there's a chain of command and there's a, there's a xyz this is everybody's roles and responsibilities i have mine coach has his and you as a player have yours so talk to us about the couple, uh, some of the best moments that you think back in your career, uh, just the highlights. What are some of those best hockey moments for you that you think fans listen would love to hear? Yeah, you know, and I think one of the ones that I never really took a lot of joy in and a lot of pleasure in that I wish I wouldn't have been so... Every year when you don't win, you're just pissed off. You're just like, it sucks to lose. I hated losing more than I like to win. Yeah. And it just drove me bananas. And I took a lot of that stuff early on in my career, probably the first 10 years of my career, till I had kids. I just took the, everything from the rink home. And I couldn't separate. I just, I would, I'd be thinking about a play I made four days ago, sleeping, whatever, just pissed me off. And it took me a while to learn how to like, just let go of the game and just, you, you gotta just turn the page and get going. and. Um, when I won the Hart Norris Trophy in 2000, yeah, it was a pretty big moment. Yeah. Yeah. I really didn't enjoy it the way I should have. I was still thinking, you know, we had won the President's Trophy that year. We were thinking Stanley Cup. We had a team, and you lose in the first round. And you're like, what? I was just so pissed off. Still, a month and a half later at the awards banquet, I just, you know, it was yeah, great. Thanks. It was great, <laughs> yeah. but you're just like, mm. And, and I didn't really get to... That's what made you good, though, too, right? Well, it, it's what drives you. But, yeah. you know, there's moments like that sure. where, you know, you know, winning the Stanley Cup was great. You know, my, my family was there. It was awesome. My kids were old enough to remember it, too. Yeah. You know, there weren't babies sitting yeah. in the cup. Um, you know, again, Olympic, uh, you know, them being there at the Olympics in 2010, you know, they were a little bit older, so they got sure. to enjoy it. Um, you know, O two. My wife was pregnant with Jack, so it was, you know, just a lot of different storylines. But you know, those two were that they could be at in in O O seven and and ten uh, were pretty special. And just soaking it up, knowing that you know, I spent thirteen years to win a, a championship in mm -hmm. the NHL. You know, and you you're like you just never Most know. People don't make it thirteen. No, you and 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 they don't. You think it's easy? It's not easy. Like you see, oh, this guy won four cups, or this guy won. I go, yeah, yeah they, they're on great teams, and they've got great yeah. players, and on and on and on. They hit the, you know, everybody's hitting the right, peaking at the right time. Um, and then there's other teams who are like, damn, we had good teams, and you didn't even get a sniff. <laughs> like there were teams here in St. Louis where we're like, we had good teams. Yeah. 
And the teams that won were like, damn, we could have beat them. Yeah. You do, and sometimes it's the matchups, you know, where Dallas could beat Detroit. Detroit could beat us, but we could beat Dallas. Mm. And and just all yeah, the – You catch them. You know, and, and just who you ma- who you playing and how you match up. And it uh, – any of the big hits that you know you go through your your highlight reel of your oh, career, right? Oh, I know there's lots. <laughs> I know how you played. There's lots of those. I don't know if there's. I've seen you swing a golf one. club. I'm like, damn, where's um, my back? I don't know if there's one per se, but um, you know, there's lots that you're you're lining a guy up and you're like, I see it coming. Well, you can just. And then when you hit them and you don't feel it, you're like, that was so pure. It's kind of like hitting <laughs> a golf ball. Exactly. You hit a golf ball and so it's good. just pure. Like, ooh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> I want more of that. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. That's probably true. That's no, probably that's true. Because if you don't hit it pure and it hurts you, you're like, ooh, that hurts. It's like hitting one thin on a nice uh, cold nice day. Cold. Yeah, no, no good. <laughs> no that's good. no good. Let's turn the page from yeah. hockey to uh, whiskey. Oh. I'm staring at this uh, whiskey here. For those not watching, they're listening. The Journey, J-R-N-Y. You can, it's it's phenomenal. Uh, first time we hung out, we had some Journey. We it, did. It was some good stuff. So talk about this, man. This is you and your brother. Yeah. And uh, talk about the Journey. Yeah. Uh, I had been looking, my brother and I have been talking for like four or five years, trying to figure out something we could do together. And... Uh, just nothing really resonated. And uh, about two and a half years ago now, uh, one of my brother's friends said, hey, I want to introduce you to this guy. He runs Niagara Falls Craft Distillers. You know, they're looking for a partner in a whiskey. Long time whiskey drinker. As my brother likes to say, we've put in a lot of research and development. <laughs> a lot of R&D. 30 plus years of R&D. Don't do the math. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, I was a long time crown drinker, you know, it's Canadian whiskey. So, um, he brought this to us and we were thinking about it. We're like, oh, how's this going to work? You know, I, I know, I knew a lot of people in the spirits business, mm-hmm. <laughs> different way, Yeah, <laughs> but you know, not never made one and, and kind of taken on a project of this magnitude. And, you know, as we kind of walked through it and looked at it from a, a business standpoint, and then, you know, you, you want to be able to enjoy and have some, have fun with it. And what's not, what's not fun about whiskey? I don't know. Canadian whiskey I at that. I can't think of any. New school Canadian whiskey at that. So, um, you know, we set out, we're like, okay, if we're going to do this and you know me well enough now, if I'm going to do something, I'm all in. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, if we're doing this, I want control of the, the liquid, the, the branding. Um, so we own the IP for all this stuff and, and Niagara Falls does a great job making it for us. I take Modeling it his number it. was 44 as well. Uh, his number was 54. Oh, so you got But the... 44 is the percent alcohol. Uh-huh. A little homage to me, but it's a little bit stronger whiskey than uh, Crown or yeah, any other Canadian yeah. whiskey on the market. But um, we had a base of what we, you know, what we liked and then we're like all right is there any way we if for how we had a lot of things we didn't like about it we're like okay can we fix uh, we want to fix the burn we think more people will drink it if there's no burn Mm -hmm. we want to you know add a little bit of spice a little sweetness a little you know little tweaks here and there uh it's in there's no preservatives no additives it's very pure um and so 
we did we did it over FaceTime. They'd send us a sample. My brother and I would get on FaceTime. We'd take it, you know, to drink. What do you like? What do you not like? Taking notes. Send send them back the notes and be like, all right, can you more change this, this? More that. And not knowing the lingo of you know brewmaster lingo, we're like, uh, can you do this? And like, oh well, that's that. I'm like, well, okay, great, but yeah, can't just do that. <laughs> I don't care how you do yeah. it, just do it. However you do that, do that. And uh, and so the second time around, I'm like, okay, it's a little bit better, but can you? You know, there's still some burn. Can you get rid of that? Can you do this? Da, da, da. And then on a the third try, we both took a sip and we're like, that's it. Boom. That's it. That is exactly what we're trying to do. Love it. And that is what you're tasting right now. Uh, and so from that, then, you, you know, maybe a little naive to the politics and the legal and the government and all the yeah. hoops you got to jump through and um you know we kind of worked through all that and uh, it was like 22 months i think to get to market and now we've been uh, six months in the market and uh in missouri launched in st louis and, and missouri southern illinois and uh and now got we're some in, right over there yes and then uh now we're in new york ontario we'll be in alberta next month we'll be in texas next month oh, man uh, and then uh, a little further down the line, we'll be in Southern California. But those are the five core markets yeah. that we want to really hit. And talk about the name, J-R-N-Y, the journey. On the back of the bottle is our tagline. And it says, celebrate the victories, be proud of your scars, enjoy the journey. I love that. And really, when you think about it, it really is all about the journey. It's about the journey of life. It's about the journey you're on. You have a great day, you have, you sell a company, you win a championship. What's the first thing you wanna do? You wanna have a glass of whiskey and you wanna tell your friend, you wanna tell your mom and dad, you wanna tell your spouse, you wanna, you wanna hang with your buddies and just revel <laughs> in the joy of winning. You have a bad day, get kicked in the face, <laughs> you lose. What do you wanna do? You wanna have a glass of whiskey, you wanna tell your buddies, you wanna tell your spouse, you wanna tell your mom and dad, you wanna tell somebody and you wanna, sit and talk about it and about the journey that you've been on. And so uh, as we started talking about, my brother wrote a book called The Journeyman. Mm -hmm. uh, he played in uh, 16 teams in 11 years. He bounced wow. around a lot. And so he coined himself The Journeyman and we shortened it to The Journey because it's just about the journey yeah. and about you know our own unique journeys that we're on and the stories you tell, the people you meet. Um, and so that's kind of where we got the name from and kind of and 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 since we you know came up with this naming i don't know it was like two years ago every time i talk to somebody not necessarily about the whiskey just in general in a conversation how many times i hear the word journey yeah all the time all the time always so you're just always going to be top of mind because it's about the journey oh the journey you're on the, yeah how far is your journey da, 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 whatever well it's funny i was on a business actually my business coach yesterday on a call and uh he talked about the journey and he said, sometimes people compare their journey to other people's journey. Like I want to be where that guy's at yeah. or that gal's at and you know, all this stuff. But yet your journey is your journey. Correct. And live your journey to the best of its ability, right? Yep. Dominate that journey. Yep. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Yep. So last couple questions here. Um, future grade in your past. You see the sticker here. You saw the journal in the hat yes. earlier is uh, our firm's mission uh, is to help people achieve a future grade in their past. 
So when you hear that future great in your past, what comes to mind for Chris Pronger? Uh, I would say for me, paying it forward and raising kids to be successful and thriving in whatever they want to do and, and providing them with the knowledge and support to live a better life than I had. And it's not spoon feeding them. It's teaching them <laughs> what the real world is yeah. like. It's showing them life's not easy. It's allowing them to fail. It's allowing them to realize that they're going to need to sacrifice something to be good at something, etc. cetera. Um, but, you know, building your life, improving much, much like I did in my sports career, life after it's getting better every single day, whatever that is, yeah. building a company, creating a family, creating a legacy, whatever that is, whatever speaks to what someone is trying to do. Um, certainly hits home to me. It, it's, you know, when you look at legacy or family name or things like that, um, you know, how, when somebody hears your name, what do they think of? Mm. You know, and that, to me, that that's more important than you know, I always get asked, oh, what, what, do you, what did you want to be remembered for as a player? I'm like, that's just a small part of my life. Like, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I left every ounce of my being on that ice and I'm done. And now it's about here and now and, and living for my life now, my kids, my family, et cetera, and, and you know, business and trying to figure out how, how, how to make a bigger mark on society outside of what I used to do. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of athletes and even business <clears throat> people get caught up in there's so-and-so the CEO, there's so-and-so the hockey player, there's so-and-so the football player. And all my career, I was like, stop. That's just a small part. Stop. I'm not just a hockey player. Yeah. Like, stop. I am X, Y, Z. I, I have other aspirations that I want to do. Yeah. Am I focused on that right now? Yes. Because that's what I do now. But I'm not going to do it my whole life. Right. And so you, you try to stomp out the stereotypes that people always want to throw at, throw at you. And, you know, if you walk around as Joe Blow, the CEO of AB or Joe yeah. Blow, the CEO of Emerson, and, yeah. and, and that's your whole being. You're in for a rough ride when you're done, yeah. brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Was it hard to, I said last question, I lied. Was it hard for you to replace the adrenaline? Because I can't imagine. Can't, it's irreplaceable. I, I shouldn't, that's a better it's, way it's, to say it. No, but but that's that's where most athletes struggle is they look for that high. Yeah. You know, when you get hooked on booze or drugs or whatever, it's. You're never going to replace it's, it. You cannot. It's, you cannot replace it. It's. It, you know, there's no rush unlike being an athlete and coming into a stadium or an arena or what have Ugh. you. Fans going ballistic at a playoff game and 20,000, 60,000, 80,000 people going crazy, screaming and yelling your name, whether they hate you or love you. <laughs> you hear it all. <laughs> yeah, you hear it all. And you don't ever, it's like that Peyton Manning commercial where he's like talking to the, screaming at the accountant and doing all that stuff. It, it's, it's just there's nothing like it. Yeah, you're never you're never gonna find that again. You can try, and you know people buy businesses and do all this different stuff, and it's just you know that Still adrenaline there. part, that rush, can't just, find it. No, 
Yeah. Chris Pronger, thanks for being with us, man, on the circuit of success. I'm very humbled that a guy like you with your uh, your pedigree, your background, and the man you are, it's uh, it's amazing. You come over here and spend some time with us and our listeners, and I'm very thankful for that, my thank man. You. So thank you. Good Enjoy having the you. journey. Thanks, <laughs> First of all, I didn't go up top. Yeah. You do the right. best to reach it.